Thanks for tuning into Behind the Scene, a conversation dedicated to uncovering our biases and how to navigate them in a constructive way. Hi, I'm Mark Bauer, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Behind the Scene, a bi-monthly conversation focused on understanding the biases that are at the root of society's racial tensions. If you're new to the podcast, what it is is a raw conversation between me and my co-host, Brandon Polk. I'm a white man, Brandon is a black man, and we really try to break down some of the language around racially charged events going on in society. And that is what we are going to try to do today on the topic of dating. And so today we brought on a special guest, Todd Call. Todd Call is a singer, songwriter, YouTube creator, Broadway star, uh, and he is coming on to discuss kind of how pop culture influences and informs who we find attractive and how um, those preferences, what we might call preferences, do have racial undertones and, uh, quite frankly, can be a little racist. And that's what we're going to cut to now. You know, just talking about dating in general can get us uh, all hot and bothered. But then we, when you add the layer of racial prejudice onto into the mix, then it really gets messy. Uh, and today we are so grateful and honored to have a good friend, Todd Call, with us. So, Todd, if you want to say hi. Hello. What's up? I'm so grateful to be here today. This is going to be so much fun. I've been friends with you, Mark, uh, since high school. Yeah. And Brandon, I've only recently become friends with you over the past couple of years, but you're really, really awesome. And oh I my feel gosh. like our conversations are always great. So I'm excited for today. Thank you. It's so good to, so good to have you here. And um, we are going to dive into uh, Todrick World and into Ooh. your life and how you see the world, um, <laughs> which is truly compelling to me every time we've talked. And of course, if anyone online has ever seen Todrick perform or give any of his, um, any of his awesome performances in the world, you will... Um, find that this is going to be similar to that so yeah and we're all good conversationalists here and Todrick I know that uh your art the things you've created have demonstrated that you think you know at a deeper level on some of these topics so really looking forward to our conversation today uh just some primer we did we did go to high school together Arlington Texas so we came from a, a very similar economic socioeconomic background yes I always tell people I think that they would be surprised at how diverse Arlington Texas actually is no it was so diverse and I always I mean I've said this to you before you know off camera but I I always admired the fact that amidst all of the prejudice that was happening in in Arlington which it was a very open-minded school there were a lot of of people from a lot of different backgrounds. We went to a super diverse school, but there were a lot of straight guys who had issues becoming friends with me or being outwardly friends with me. And you were always so sweet to me and are still one of the most supportive people in my life. So I, I'm, I'm so grateful to know you and it was really awesome to go to school with you and see how well you were raised and what a nice, sweet gentleman you are. <laughs> I'm glad you guys have a front row seat to the we to sure love do. Fest. Yeah. No, but I really mean that. I, 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 you're just such a great guy, and it's so rare. It's like finding a unicorn, like to meet somebody who is like a good-looking person who's also sweet and just a great friend and loyal and honest. And that, those things are very rare. So I really, really, as life goes on in this industry, like pushes me and pulls me. Like I value those things more and more every year. So yeah, yeah. well, happy to. Happy to be your supporter. And you bring up something that if people don't know about you, you are a gay man. Uh, you just outed me yeah, on, I know. on a podcast, radio. <laughs> yes, I am a, an openly gay African-American man from Texas. I came out when I was 14 years old, wow. which yeah. is which is not that uncommon these days. But back then it was like unheard of that people were coming out, especially to their parents. Totally. They would come out to kids at their school, but not necessarily to their parents and family. Yeah. But, I came out very early. Yeah. So not only are we talking about the racial disparities in dating or prejudices, but also the whole, like, just being a gay black man. Yeah. And yeah. dating. So what it means it's like being like a minority twice. Yeah. You know, double minority. Right. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about just to get the conversation going was kind of like a more, uh, I guess, a mile high look at what, like, what is dating? Like, why do we date in the first place? Kind of like get, put a peg on that. Uh, and get kind of philosophical because I think that like as I've gotten older and I've looked back on past relationships and as I am looking to find a wife myself, looking at like what is the best way to go about doing that? 
so I guess what I'm like, I was in a long-term relationship six years. And before that I hadn't been single. I was like a serial monogamous, basically like back to back to back relationships. And then, um, when I ended up single a couple years ago, I was like, man, I just gotta be me and like figure out what's going on here. Cause I had some problems. I realized that one of the ways that I would date was I would go, you know, to a party, the bar or a club or had a mutual friend. And it was like, whatever attraction, like if you locked eyes from across the room mm-hmm. and then you just kind of move in on it, like a line on, yeah, yeah I should on, stop. Discovery <laughs> channel yeah. fish. Yeah, that's right. So like, so I'm interested in, uh, in your guys' perspective on like, what, like, what is dating? Cause like, if, if you just kind of rely on an attraction, like what is attraction even? Like that is a so- societal construct, right? Like I've said also before that as I've worked through my own biases, I'm a lot more attracted to black women now. Like, whereas before, like, I would have just been like, that's not my preference and wouldn't have even entertained it, you know? So. Uh, well, I think that there's a lot of things about that. Like, I used to go through issues myself because I've dated a lot of white men and a lot of times it was because um, I didn't really feel like I fed it, fit in with the kids that were at my school and I would go do musicals and it's like a multi-layered cake. But first of all, I used to be totally okay with auditioning for a show and being the one black person cast. Like, there were oftentimes they would say, like, are those your real eyes? And I'd say yes. And they'd be like, okay, then you can stay as if my talent wasn't necessarily enough. And if I didn't have those eyes then it wasn't a reason enough for me to stay. And I would look at that as almost a compliment back then where now I see that to be a, a a humongous problem Mm. that I, I had a, um, an eye color that was more appealing, I feel, to a white audience and made them feel more welcoming. Like I was a more commercial looking black man, so they would be like, oh, we'll cast him. But because of that, I was always only in shows where there was a ton of white people and myself and then maybe one Asian or one Hispanic person. And so when I would be in those shows, that's when I would form these relationships with people and fall for people and start dating people. And unfortunately, in those situations, those people were always white because... Not unfortunately, that was just what the case was. There mm-hmm. was, there weren't. It was unfortunate that there were no, that there were not more races represented. Mm-hmm. But the, but it was fortunate that I got to make great memories with and great experiences with certain people. And um, I think ultimately, I just started to become attracted to white men because I was. I was always watching the Disney Channel. My mom wouldn't let me watch anything that was even rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. And on all those shows, I would be watching, you know, a Zac Efron-esque character. Or they would be doing a show where Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson were on singing. Or they would have the boys from NSYNC. Or, I mean, the Boy Meets World show would rerun. Or, you know, like every single show, minus the smart guy when I was mm-hmm. very young, um, and Sister Sister, yep. were were shows that featured white people where white the white guys were always the leads and all of the Disney Channel original movies there was always a Ricky Ullman Phil of the Future type of character and then when I grew up a little bit more That's a Raven became a big show but when it would all when in the shows that were about look because That's a Raven was not about a guy that you know that was a heartthrob a Zac Efron-esque character that all of the girls were looking for um anyway the point is I I quickly started to realize that I was like strongly attracted to white people because I think I was replaying all of those things that I had seen. And I think that myself with a lot of other people included are, we are all victims of that. Like, I think that when people, when you say it wasn't your preference, I think it's really, um, your preference is strongly swayed by what you've seen on television and on billboards and magazines and books and stuff your mm-hmm. whole life. And sometimes while it is a preference, some people think that they wake up, they woke up and chose for that to be their preference. Right. And, um, I don't think it works that way. I think that you're being kind of like groomed to like a certain thing your whole life. And some people are being groomed to despise that same thing Mm -hmm. because it's what has always been so popular. I have some black friends that are like, I would never date a white person. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you? And I think it's such a deep rooted issue that they have always felt um, was that person um, that, that they could never be, you know, that was really, really difficult for them to digest and to embrace and accept. So it was just, it was a very, very difficult, um, thing that, that I went through in life. Um, and I think that growing up, I have just like, honestly, like dating has changed for me in so many factors because I started being like, okay, this is what dating is. And I would always look for somebody who was, um, 
somebody who I would be sexually attracted to. And then as life went on, I would meet those people, get to date them, and then realize that they weren't fulfilling me in any other realm other than that we looked great on social media together. And then I started realizing I needed to be friends with someone first, and that person needed to be the one person I wanted to run mm. home to and tell my deepest, darkest secrets to, person I could trust. And now the element of uh, you know, public being a public figure and fame and uh, success has been added to that pot, which makes dating even more confusing for me. And now I don't really know what it even means yeah. at this point. Mm. I promise all my answers from here on out will be much <laughs> shorter than that. <clears throat> no, I think uh, it's really good. good. I mean, you, you're basically giving a description of someone who's doing an evaluation. And I think that's essentially what dating really is, is it's going along the lines of what is it that I'm looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you can actually answer the question, what it is that you're looking for, right? Yeah. And then start to be able to not like check the box in a negative way, but it's kind of go like, hey, look, like you're nearly not fitting this. I think that what, what happens though is that people will give away so much of themselves. We'll give away so much of ourselves and trying to get someone to love us, but we're not actually taking enough time to evaluate whether or not this person is right mm -hmm. for me. Are they going to respect me? Are they respectable of themselves, of their bodies, of their whatever, you know? And, um, and I find that it's really difficult to get people to like evaluate in, in, um, in a way that's like, that has an equality of opportunity associated with it. Yeah. If they have been groomed, you mm -hmm. know, to only see, um, a certain type of preference as something that's like ingrained in their biology or their personality or something, you know, that's actually not, um, like scientific at all. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it really isn't. I think a lot of times people want to have discussions. Uh, part of the problem is a lot of times I find that my white friends don't often have these discussions because everything is you know, peachy in comparison That's for right. them. And then when you do bring it up, they're like, well, it's just my preference. And it's easy for them to say that. And their friends will all like co-sign and be like, yeah, that's what it is. And it's easy for them to not question whether or not they are. In fact, I think that if you, there was a huge discussion that I did one time about racism on the social media apps and like the gay dating apps specifically mm -hmm. where they, where you could choose what races you did not want right. to see. And I, I, I felt that that was a problem because I was like, if you, if you're, I think that is racism. If you're making any decision based on race, whether you would date someone or not before you get to know them. And if you are in a position where you're like, I don't care who you are, how great of a person you are, how awesome you, your morals and ethics are, how great you would help me take care of my dog, how great of a husband you would be. If you're black or Asian or Indian or any of these things, I don't even want to see you because you're not an option. And I would rather date a, a guy who looks like this who may not be a good person and who may not mm. help me take care of my dog like they would rather date somebody because they are white and it, to me that was just like so shocking that there were so many people that were willing to be like i'd rather only see the white people i don't even want to know that the black people exist mm. I think that's a problem, but a lot of people didn't, and they took it as a personal attack when it, the discussion came up, as opposed to s stopping, pausing, stepping away from the sec the situation, and saying, maybe something in our culture has groomed me to believe that white is superior because that's the way it has been for mm -hmm. so long, and that anything less than that is not good enough for me because I need somebody who's going to look good on my Instagram on the beach yeah. at Coachella at whatever I'm doing, like. That's what I need. And to me, I, I see a lot of my white gay friends going through very difficult like dating situations because they are so fixated on this idea that they mm -hmm. need a guy who's this level of masculinity that has this much hair on their face. It's like mm -hmm. so crazy that you grow a beard and it's like some <laughs> you won Publishers Clearinghouse this year. Like that's, <laughs> that's an accomplishment these days <laughs> that you so grow true. facial hair. And yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's all a bunch of surface level things I think that we're seeking out. And I think while still being attracted to people, we have to find a way to like look past those things. Cause I think there's a bigger thing that we're all missing, which is why most people are not happy or in an open relationship or they're not saying not, not that I judge that, but I think oftentimes there we're, tr we're trying to like fit ourselves into this mold to like project to the world that we are something that we're not. And then mm -hmm. we end up not happy and divorced and, yeah. and stuff. Whereas if you find a friend that you love who you can also have sex with who you can tolerate every day who can keep your secrets who's honest <laughs> and loyal and driven and pushes you to be a better person then i think that that's yeah. where you will be happy and successful well that's it that's all that's all that we was got. preaching that, yeah, that's, that's, it. Preaching. Preaching. Yeah, that's all we solved the dating problem i mean, even talking about dating as as an assessment you know and the 
real point of the of, of what we're doing here in the podcast is to sort of juxtapose a lot of that of the pain of racism, you know, which is also because of an assessment that somebody made, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of how beautiful or not beautiful someone is and or how intelligent someone is or what your preferences should be. I mean, this is not just a conversation about dating, right? Like we're seeing the manifestation of a problem in the context of people finding companionship and belonging as it relates to the color of their skin because of a 400-year problem of saying that black is not beautiful. And then we saw it on television and we saw it in our relationships and heard it in our um, in our families maybe or, or whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. but it's been so perpetuated over, over time. And now for people that are African-American or black that are being successful, that are finding themselves, you know, as, as public figures or if you're living in D.C. on Capitol Hill like I am and I don't see anybody, you know, that is actually considering me as a real person. I'm mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. as an African-American person. I'm not dateable. Mm-hmm. I'm almost intimidating for people. It's almost like, I don't know, like a weird thing. They put me on a show or something, you know, and just sort of say like, oh, like, look at all of your friends, you know, who are dating each other. And I'm like, interesting. How did that happen? And they all helped each other out, you know, and put them all on blind dates with other people. And then you look around and it's been like 10 years, you know, I've been here and no one's ever set me up on a blind date. No one's ever set me up on anything. And you had to wonder, well, why that is. And I think that maybe emotionally, psychologically, that people just aren't considering you as dateable. If my friend group is white and these are the people that I see all the time, you know, mm-hmm. they're just not thinking about it, you know, right. but that's, there's a real pain in that. That's a today pain mm-hmm. and not just one that's from like 50 years ago, you know, cause now yeah. we're trying to get married, have kids and do all kinds of things, you know, and settle down and find love. And, and it's really hard to do that. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I don't have a similar story to that because nobody in my friend group is getting married because I live in LA and everyone's a performer and we're all trying to pretend that we're 12 years old and (laughs) we're all like not dating anyone seriously. But I am a hopeless romantic and I want to be with someone forever and I want to have that whole fairy tale thing. Like I'm one of those people that believes that that still exists some way, somehow. And it's just been a very, very difficult thing now for me to just like figure out who I can and cannot trust. I had a horrible situation last year with just like the most despicable human being I think I've ever encountered. And um, I just could not believe the things that I experienced with this person. And I felt very used and I felt very um, taken advantage of. And I could not believe that someone could sit there and look in my face and lie to me for so long. And so now I just have like issues just in general with the entire like dating world. But then you add the whole fame and success level and you add racism and then you add the, the, um, I think that there's, I don't even know what you would call it, but there's like this self inner hate within the gay community where you're a bear and you're a twink and you're black and you're Asian and you're a jock and you're, you know, like too gay or you're a drag queen. So that means you're not a man to me, you know, like mm-hmm. there's this crazy thing that exists in the gay community. And I feel like any group of people actually that have been, um, that have been suppressed for, for a while, like, I feel like, um, it, 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 it causes them to start. I, I, it reminds me of people who have like dogs. And if you are a person who's like in a rich house and you feed your dogs all the time and they, they never go without, then they're not going to fight each other over food. Whereas if you were to go to a pound or to the middle of an, an alleyway and somewhere in the middle of Houston, Texas, where there are a bunch of stray dogs that don't get food all the time, it's life or death for them. And so they like are always beating each other up. I feel that's the way it is in the gay community. Mm-hmm. I'm a gay black man who does so- things on social media and people who don't know about my analytics would come to my show and assume that there'd be a lot of black people there and a lot of gay people but it's actually straight white women that come to my show and support mm. me more and mm. I don't get hate from those people online I get hate from gay people and I get hate from black people and it doesn't upset me in the way that it breaks my heart that that's the case but it, it it upsets me because I feel like we should be uplifting each other because there's not that many of us and I feel like anybody that I see if I see a Ricky Thompson if I see a Trey Melvin if I see a Terrell Grice or anybody who is coming out doing amazing things I'm like oh my gosh good for you I follow them I like all their pictures I want to collaborate with them because I want people who look like me who are underserved and have been underrepresented and I know how difficult it is for somebody who looks like us to make it um 
I want to support them, but a lot of people don't have that mentality because they believe that you are taking something away from them mm -hmm. if you are successful, even if they have not tried to move to LA, have not started a YouTube channel, have not mm -hmm. made a video, they don't sing, they don't dance, they don't act, they don't do anything, but they're mad that you met Beyonce and they don't feel like yeah. you deserve it. Yeah. So it's just, it's a weird, weird thing that might not have anything to do with dating, but it has everything <laughs> to do with us cannibalizing our own community oh, wow. and, mm. and, and and therefore having issues with me dating a white man or with mm -hmm. with me dating somebody who looks this way or with you know like with me being successful or it it's kind of it has nothing to do with each other but it has also everything to do with each other as yeah. well that's so good i mean even just thinking about i mean you really just dove into some like real pain and maybe even for some of our listeners who don't understand that some of this inner hate uh, within the black community and then within the gay community right um what is it like what is actually driving us to sort of you know um we call it in in the black community like crabs in a bushel right you know like there's a crab that gets to the top and there's a crab at the bottom who just snatches a crab down you know like and tries to keep that crab from getting out of the bushel you know yeah like what what is from your point of view like as 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 you've experienced it like what is the reasoning for that you know if you could as you've thought about it I think there's a part of us with social media that feels like we can say, first of all, whatever we want, and that that person's not real. You're never going to see them in person. They're never going to see your comment. And so there's a part of us that feels like we can say whatever we want. I'm guilty of that myself. Before I got to L.A., I would say things about whatever. Or there was a time I made a Lady Gaga joke just because I was on a show kind of like this where we were all like had to go around the table and make little sassy jokes to each mm. other and that meme still haunts me to this day because mm. I actually love Lady Gaga. I think she's everything. I love all of her music but I needed to make a joke in that moment and I I, I was with a group of people who were comedians for a living and I made a joke but which by the way wasn't even a funny joke. <laughs> it was not my best material at all but I made the joke and then it's one of those things that comes up and every few years I feel like I have to apologize for that thing that I said about Lady Gaga when I actually don't have an issue with her but I never thought I was going to get to a level where anybody would care what I had to say about it and it felt mm. like a harmless pun at that moment. But then I realized that she's a real human and that she has mm -hmm. real friends and she goes through real things. And, you know, then and now I would never say something like that, even if it was t to, you know, sometimes I'm a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race and I don't even want to give them constructive criticism, even though I have a lot of thoughts. But mm -hmm. I've been in that position before. So I think that's part of it. I think that they don't think that you're going to see it. But I also just think that there is a part of um I think that there is this thing where people, some of the people who have gone online and specifically like devoted an entire video to dragging me um, for something that was minuscule or they'll try to find one line out of a, a, an hour and a half, you know, like project that I do and, and say, well, this must mean this and try to read into it and think that they know me. But, you know, I've actually dated a lot of black people and I'm super attracted to black guys um, often and to, to everybody. Like, I, I don't discriminate against anybody. They're, de they're definitely, if I walk into a room and I see a, a guy that comes up to me that looks like a Disney prince, I'm going to notice him because of his it's been programmed in my mind for his features to be striking. Um, but I also will see a, a a chocolate man, not even like a oh he's black, but he's really not. Chocolate. He's like mixed with a lot of things. And his eyes are blue. Kunta. Yes, yeah, like a Wakanda <laughs> ass bitch. Okay, yeah, come on. And I will see them and be like so into it. But my experiences with that have just not been great experiences. Mm -hmm. If I'm being honest. So I was talking to a friend earlier this week, actually uh, a black woman, and talking about numbers. And so like here in D.C., it's opposite actually in L.A the male to female ratio is so out of whack. And uh, so like a lot more uh, women here than men. Uh, same with New York, I understand. If you go to LA, there's a lot more men than women. And so like that causes even a change in how you approach dating. Because if you're here in DC and you're a dude, it's good for you. It's a good situation. And so you might be less inclined to settle down or to commit to something uh, because you never know what party you're going to go to next. And you might run into someone who's, you know, who you think might be a better fit for you. Whereas if you go to LA and like you find a woman you click with, you're like, man, I'm all about like committing to that. Like that's what some friends have told me out there. Um, and so for this friend of mine, she put together the numbers. She's, her name's Natalie Richard. She's given me permission to quote these numbers, but she went back and she looked a couple of years ago, like she's a high performing athlete. She has multiple degrees, just like very ambitious, successful. 
And so she's like, okay, what, who, if I was looking for my, the other, the other version of me, a black man, multiple degrees, high performing athlete, um, how many of those are there? And she, she did the numbers, she did the work, uh, she broke it down to black men, uh, men who weren't gay, men who weren't in, black men who weren't in prison, black men with multiple degrees, and there were about like 700,000, I think, in the U.S. is what she found. And I can go back and look, pull up the numbers, but like, and we might put this in the show notes. We might create an infographic around it with her permission. But uh, so 700,000, like that's not a big number. And then she broke it down to like high-performing athletes with degrees. And so she looked at professional athletes. I think there were like 10. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, who were single, one. Mm-hmm. And so like that is just insane. And so if you're thinking about it as, in terms of a numbers game, if you if she who wants to date a black man, like she doesn't feel like she has that the same opportunity as someone like me who has all the like every the ball is in my court. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can afford to not have a, you know, I don't, like like she has to not have a preference if right. she wants to right. be successfully dating. And I can have a and preference. And you can have yeah. a preference. Yeah. So that's really shocking. It's not shocking actually. It's it's not shocking at all, but it's it's shocking to hear. Um, sometimes I go on online and I have these friends that do social media as well. And they'll be like, well, why don't you just do this? And I don't think that they realize like we, I went to YouTube black here, which was held here in, um, DC a few years ago. And, um, it was the people at YouTube were saying, we don't know what is stopping black people from getting the level of success that these Jeffree stars and Joey Graceffa's and Tyler Oakley's and all these people have that are huge YouTube um, content creators because their numbers just trump anything that there, there's no, I should not even say that word, even in that context, their (laughs) numbers just supersede anything that we as black people are able to accomplish online. And oftentimes you watch, I'm a huge RuPaul's drag race fan is also a part of the show. And it took so long for one of the black Queens to hit a million followers whereas almost every single white blonde person mm-hmm. who had made it to the top six in the past eight seasons was getting to a million plus followers and at a certain point you have to like look at that it does, it's free to follow them all there's no reason why you can't but there's something that is happening in our cult our country's dna that has to do with everything that has happened with our, us being suppressed for so many years and us mm-hmm. not not being looked at as equal citizens or people not finding them beautiful or whatever it is that stops people from being followed and those things seem like such a small it's like okay well you don't have as many follows on Instagram who cares but those numbers matter so much for what jobs you can get booked for, mm-hmm. what kind of endorsement deals you can get, what people want to work with you and collaborate with you to give you uh, clothes and give you hair and all those things that end up helping you be a successful uh, drag queen or a successful entertainer in this business. I deal with that all the time. And to me, it completely 100% translates into the dating world. Not only is it important as a gauge and just like equal opportunity, but also the people who are coming up and watching TV, you know, like if I'm watching television and people of color, there's a, a diverse set of people who I'm exposed to. Now I'm seeing that they are beautiful too. They're in my and they need years. to be exposed to in the way. Sorry to cut you off, but the, people think that they like get to pat themselves on the back because they put a blonde girl like Dove Cameron as like front and center, and then there's a black girl with like big curly hair and mm-hmm. green eyes that doesn't look like anybody that you know from mm-hmm. the hood at all. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know a bitch that looks like that, mm-hmm. and then she is on the show. But she's there to serve the purpose of like seeing to cater to the white mm, person to uh-huh, see what she's doing. Mm. In order for people to think that those people are beautiful, I think that there needs to be more exposure of them being a lead mm. character that people find right. attractive, who they want to date, who they want to take them to prom or to the homecoming, or they want to be in the dance, or they want to be in the musical kissing Corbin Blue, not mm-hmm. Zach Efron. That's right. They want to be friends with what's Cher's best friend and Clueless. I don't even know her name. Oh, whatever her name is. Yeah. It stays the Stacey Dash character. Stacey Dash, yeah. But but that person, there should be a black girl in Mean Girls other than the girl that's there to be the butt of the joke. And Mm -hmm. I even say this when I go to Broadway shows. Wicked is one of my favorite shows, Mm -hmm. and it's a show that prides itself on being about people of all different colors and ethnicities and different sizes and shapes. The costumes are all just like asymmetrical and just like the, 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 the set is so quirky. And the girl, it's about a show about a girl who is judged by the color of her skin Mm -hmm. and 
she's green the whole show anyway. So the fact that the show's been running for 15 years and there still has never been a black woman given that role on Broadway, mm-hmm. there have been people to understudy the role or stand by the role, but they've never let a black girl be that role. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been two black fieros, Tay Diggs and a guy named Derek Williams. But th- this guy comes to school. He's a rebel. He skips class. He teaches everybody how to dance. Everybody thinks he's so cool. And it's always a white guy who low key, no shade, can't dance mm-hmm. and is not cool and not a rebel. And it's like, I, it just is mind boggling to me that this show has been running for so long. And every time you see the show, I mean, I challenge anybody who's seen the show to go crack open their playbill and look at the lack of diversity in this world that is not even in America. It's in Oz where mm-hmm. there should be no rules. Mm-hmm. But the rule is that one black guy comes out and at the beginning of one short day, the Emerald City scene, he twirls a ribbon around and you can see that happening all across the country. And on the current national tour that I just saw, there was no black person in the cast at all not in the ensemble not in the leads i didn't see a black usher i mean it was like really really crazy and i don't think that people realize that when you as a child go see a show and you see you know i went and got to see britney play the first black glinda that there there has ever been and i almost Mm -hmm. started crying when she came out of the Mm -hmm. bubble because i imagined myself being a little kid watching that for the first time and seeing somebody and being like I could be her mm-hmm. in my mind as much of an imagination as I have. Like I could never see mm-hmm. myself being a lead character in anything until, unless I was playing an animal in the Lion King, mm-hmm. you know, it just wasn't a real possibility for me because I never saw it. So I couldn't even fathom that. And I don't think the casting directors when they're making these decisions realize how important it is for not just to have one black person on the side as a character, but mm-hmm. to have a black person mm-hmm. as a featured person in the front so that people can say like, wow, I, that, that is normal. That's a, yeah. that is a new normal yeah. and it just doesn't happen. And it, it is happening more frequently, but it doesn't happen enough. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and we're seeing that, I mean, theater is still in the elite, right? I mean, this is, it costs a lot of money to go to Broadway. It costs a lot of money to access theater, you know? And so if we're looking at where the, predominant population, you know, of black and brown people are, you know, this is a socioeconomic challenge for them where theater is not accessible yet, you know, for a lot of folks. And so I, I think a, a lot of what the field needs to think about is how to actually do that in a way. But I think know? that if the, if the people are going to see the show, it doesn't have to be trying to figure out how we get black people to go to the theater. I think that white people should be able to sit totally. down and, and totally enjoy. It doesn't need to be for black people. It should mm-hmm. just be for people just in general. I mean, I think Hamilton is like such a living mm-hmm. proof of that because there's a hardly any blonde hair and blue eyes in that show and you can't get a ticket to it. I think this issue is that there's not a lot of people who have been willing to take the risk to give us an opportunity. I, I read somewhere, I don't know if this is true or not, but Black Panther was the first movie given the same amount of money that a white movie of its same genre mm-hmm. was yeah, given. That's true. And it just blew it out of the water. But no one has ever really taken mm-hmm. that risk before. Yeah. And um, I just think there needs to be more gay representation on the radio. I'm so happy about Normani becoming so big on the radio because she, I don't know if you know who she is from Fifth Harmony, but she sings that song, Tell Me Where Your Love Lies, and Mm -hmm. she has a new song, Dancing with a Stranger with Sam Mm -hmm. Smith, but she's a beautiful chocolate girl Mm -hmm. who is like slaying the game, and I haven't seen that happen in a long time. I think Kelly from Destiny's Child, Kelly Rowland is super talented, but Mm -hmm. I think the fact that she doesn't have a super thin nose and super light Light. skin and light eyes and rocks blonde hair has hindered her in this, in this country where Beyonce, sometimes I walk past her on a magazine cover because I think it could be JLo like Mm -hmm. a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, that doesn't happen as much now because a Beyonce doesn't really do magazines (laughs) anymore because she's past that point. But, I think it's a huge issue that we, that a lot of people don't realize. And I, I didn't realize my whole life. I had kind of accepted that that was the way it is. So I'm so happy to be alive at a time right now where yep. people yeah. are fighting yep. for equality more and more and more, not sure. just so we can walk on the street and not get shot by right. policemen mm-hmm. in our cars, but so that we can have the opportunities to win awards and yeah. to be the stars mm-hmm. of Broadway shows, whether it's The Lion King or... Uh, or hairspray or something super urban or if it's phantom of the opera That's like right. i think it should be just you should go to a theater and expect to see an actually diverse right. group of people and at this point i'm at a place where i'm like i don't really consider you having two black people in a show of cast of 40 people mm-hmm. as diverse i consider that you, in fact i would rather just just not be any black people at all than for you to <laughs> feel like you've checked off your boxes by having one of us yeah. in the background on the side or stepping up to like do a riff or do something impressive and then leave you know that's not good enough, I don't mm-hmm. think, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, people would be like, 
I thought we were talking about dating. But one of the things that we always want to hit on is that like it's never just the one thing. That's like right. nothing exists in a vacuum. And like and you think that you were born into this world and like you got to where you are because of personal responsibility and you pulled yourself up from your bootstraps, but there's never like never has that ever been proven true. Like that's Absolutely just not. a falsehood. And so what we want to demonstrate is that like your dating preferences, who you're attracted to, uh, the fact that you could get a loan on your house, the fact that your dad isn't in jail, like all these things. When we talk about like white privilege, that's ultimately what that is. And the fact that like over generations, uh, we didn't have to sit under that oppression and oppression can be heavy. Like it's not just like in that time, the generational traumas can reverberate yeah. for years, excuse me, for years. Um, and so that's why we're now talking about Hamilton, like, right? Like representation. <laughs> yeah. I think, because I think if you go see shows, I think if we rewound back to the time we were born and we saw shows where black people were on, uh, if, if it was all reversed and it was cool to be black and Danny Zuko in Greece was <laughs> black and, mm -hmm. and the, the guy that, uh, um, Ali fell in love with Noah was black in the notebook oh, yeah. and if Jack sure. was black in mm -hmm. Titanic and if all mm -hmm. of these epic movies had been happening with black people as the leads and these people are falling in love with them and thinking they're so gorgeous and they're standing in the rain with their muscles popping out and water's mm -hmm. dripping down them in slow motion those things I like have this crazy infatuation with people who are Asian just like just Asian men and um, I, I think that it's because I watched the uh brandy and the and cinderella for oh, so long for sure and that guy paulo montalban who yeah. i think was i don't even know what his eth ethnicity was to be honest but whatever he was i was buying it and i just was like <laughs> i want to date somebody that looks like that but it was because i loved brandy and brandy was like so obsessed yeah. with him so i was like i really want to date somebody mm. who looks like that and i think it strongly affects that so that is the reason why i'm bringing it up because yeah we, I think that people are willing to say like, yeah, I'm dressing like this because it's the 90s, the mm -hmm. 2000s, the, the 70s or whatever you can look at it. And people are totally willing to be like, yeah, I joined the fad. I dressed the, that time period. But when you talk about dating, which is equally as, as, as influential as fashion or as, as slang, as the musical taste and, and, and whatever, it people get really defensive because they don't want to believe that someone has told them who to like and who to be attracted to or trained mm -hmm. them and groomed them of who they should be attracted to. They want, they want, they don't want to believe that race is an issue at all, but it, but it, it, it is, you know? Yeah. And I think it's something that should be talked about and should be addressed. Even if you don't change it for you to at least accept the fact that there's a reason why you feel that way, that is beyond you. Something that you've been taught, I think is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. So, totally agree with that yeah and if you can change that if you could change like your preferences or even if you don't like you said just become accepting of and cognizant of it and kind of open your eyes to just that in general just the physical nature of someone and you want to start dating in a healthy way like i don't want to turn this into like a dating helpline but like <laughs> what it is but but it is but like what is the empowerment so once you get beyond the physical surface what are some healthy things that we should be like if you were coaching someone through like Brandon, uh, my dating life is a mess. Like all my like relationships every, like, have been like every week. Yeah. Like, every yeah. Week. Uh, like what, what is one thing that you tell them? Like what is a healthy way to, to approach? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the main things, you know, for, for anyone is to look at what, um, what, what they're reflecting out in the world to, you know, that if, if there's, um, if there's a poor sense of self-identity, you know, you're never really going to attract, you know, the person that you really are looking for. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't know who you are, if you don't like who you are, if you have looked in the mirror, and you see yourself as another race, <laughs> you okay. know, which happens all the time. Right. You know, and yeah. I think that I mean, even for myself personally, I remember I think I was probably 30 years old before I realized I was actually black, you know, because oh, of all the images shit. that were being projected. That's deep. You know, to, it is, though, because I remember like I, I know at least until 30, I was. I would think about, think about myself and go, you know what? I'm probably 16 years old and about 6'2". I'm 5'1", in reality. And um, and I was white and super athletic, and everyone thought I was pretty, and I was the Disney prince, you know? But that was what was so revered, you know? And so if I were coaching myself, I would say, hey, you got to learn to love yourself, otherwise you'll continually sacrifice things for other people so you feel loved, you know? And so there's something about recognizing the value of yourself and then giving of yourself. Mm. Because that way you don't cheapen what you give. Yes, mm -hmm. God. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And what we oftentimes do is we just give it all away and we think somehow we're going to be able to convince someone to stay. Mm -hmm. And that's never going to happen. You know, it's just never going to happen. Preach, Brandon. You ready, baby? I'm ready for it. This is it. Now, let me talk to myself for a second and say, Brandon, <laughs> don't give away your goodies before the getting is good, you know? And, um, and, uh, and I think when it comes to race and really processing race, I think it's really just starting to redefine what success is in dating and starting to redefine what a preference is and what a preference is not. Mm. And a preference, if it's related to race, is racism. And it's discrimination. And you're open to it. You're open to creating a language around what you do not like um, uh, and make it normal so that you don't actually have to engage someone that's different. Mm -hmm. So you don't actually have to look at someone for who they are and ask them questions about their life and actually say, you know what, more than the, con more than the color of your skin is then, come on, King, is the content of your character even in dating. Mm -hmm. Even in dating. Maybe especially in dating because... You know, from a biblical point of view, we're called to procreate. We're called to, you know, get get together and and be in community with each other. Mm. And how are we functionally going to do that? You that, know, that's the fun part. That like, is the fun part. The fun part is not being colorblind. It's being color accepting. We talk about mm. that all, all all the time. Being color accepting and culture accepting, um, in a way where we can date. You know, mm -hmm. the Asian looking person or and I'm black or I can date the white person um, that I did from Alaska for a really long time mm -hmm. or or um, I dated this, you know, black person, you know, for a while. And I did. I mean, just all of these different things, you know, where I feel like I'm really open to it, but I don't want to do that out of scarcity either. Mm -hmm. I want to do it because I'm like, hey, I really enjoy being with this person and what they bring to me, what they bring to my life and how they make me feel and how I make them feel and how I'm able to contribute to their elevation and their empowerment and doing good in the world. And if I'm not able to see that because I'm so desperate for someone just to love me, then I won't get there anyway. At least I won't get there in a way in which I feel like I'm actually honored myself and I've been authentic and true, you mm -hmm. know? So yeah. anyway, that's good stuff. I, I know my own history. Like I have a face that people tend to like to look at mm -hmm. and um, it's been a, yes, God, it's been a, <laughs> been a blessing it's gotten me many places it's got me here to dc um but so what do, i would do is do, do, like, I, do i have a face that yeah, people like yeah, to look yeah. at do you like looking I, at, I looked you up looking before at, we first met did you and i was like that's that's a good look whoa right there. whoa i didn't know that you actually know. wow heard here first praise the lord the and he met with me anyway <laughs> that is so nice Tif tiffany tiffany shout out to tiffany shout who out introduced tiffany. us she's Thank like you, you need to meet my friend brandon polk and i was like who is this man? Let's Google him. Google him. Found my picture Facebook and said, you. yes. And I was like, yep. Amen, Mark. Yes, and amen. Six two white man. Right? Listen, yes, and you know is. that is always it. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the it's all we're attracting. <laughs> so uh but I would so I would get in relationships and it would be based on that attraction. And then it would be the affirmation that I would be getting from it. We'd be self-affirming each other, we'd be feeling good. And then we'd get to the point where you got to be a little bit vulnerable. You're seeing each other close proximity. And now you're seeing people for beyond like what they just look like. And so that's where I would get into trouble. And then that's where I became kind of a serial monogamous. Like once you hit that point, you kind of leave before like you get too deep into, into the weeds. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, I think that like being, and now I'm trying to evaluate like, what is it that I want to do? I don't, like if I walked into a party and a, a woman's looking at me, like she's probably not the one that I want to talk to because what is it that she's looking for me uh, to give her, um, you know, I, I notice attractive people and women and, but now I want to evaluate a, a set of characteristics, like someone who, like you said, you can build each other up in and uh, someone that you can do life with self-sacrificially. And that is so backwards. And uh, we've talked about this a lot in the podcast is, the paradox, uh, some of the ancient wisdoms that we've kind of skewed and gotten away from, uh, you know, some like it's better to give than to receive, uh, to die is to gain, you yep. know, you'll find your life uh, if you give it up, like that kind of stuff that sounds like the Riddler yeah. talking. Uh, yeah. But I think that that's kind of how we also have to approach dating, whereas right now we look for everything that that person can do. Yeah, and it's interesting. Me. I'll just say this last thing and then I'm done. But like in the, re in the redefinition of success in – in the world right now, which I think is happening very slowly, where success normally is like, this is how much money I'm making, this is the house I live in, this is the car I live in. In reality, you know, people are finding that regardless of how much money you have, you're not fulfilled, right? Yeah. People are killing themselves. Howard Hughes is a good example. Michael Jackson is a good example. The list goes on. The reality is that what we're finding is that people are most fulfilled when they're actually serving and giving of themselves, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, when it comes to relationships, 
um, a lot of the relationships that are failing are ones where people are going into it as this is for me mm-hmm. and I actually don't have the intention to serve you right. and I'm not in it for 50 years. Um, I'm not even sure I want to wake up looking at your face every day. Oh, shit. And I'm not willing to actually take that risk. <laughs> yes, Tondrick. I'm not actually willing to take that risk because it's actually about me and it's not about the greater good of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, that our coming together and what happens with us has to, if we are going to define success in, in this way, means something for the entirety of the world, if you actually can be bold enough to believe that. And if you don't, then what's the point of being here? Legitimately. What's the point? What's the point, baby? What's, what's the, point? the point? I mean, what's the point? <laughs> That's there for a no whole point. other episode. That is for a whole yes. other episode. And this, if this is not the entire context for being in community and connecting in relationships and belonging to one another and not, you know, feel like we have to conform in order to be loved, you know, it's yeah. like we're going to be who we are yeah. and not have to change who we are in order mm. to be in an affectionate, loving community and to be in an, in an affectionate, um, um, unrelenting, unconditionally loving relationship, like mm. why we feel like we need to minimize who we are in order to like manipulate people to love us. It never works. Preach. Uh, I've gone through that a few times. Like I subconsciously, I didn't realize I was doing that, but sometimes I would give people like all these great reasons, like try to promote myself to them to explain to them why dating me would be a very good idea for them. Not for financially or anything like that, but just because I'm a great guy. Like I'm Mm -hmm. showing them all the things I could do, you Mm -hmm. know, like I can cook, I can clean. I cannot cook or clean, but like, (laughs) you know, like if I could, those would have been on my special skills list of reasons why you should date Todrick. And then I started realizing like, if I have to convince somebody about that, especially somebody who I know dates trash ass dudes when they're, when they have nothing going for them, then that's not a person that is even on the level I need to be at. I want somebody who I can grow with and who, when we raise our kids, they are going to be truly raising them to not, not like not try to follow societal norms and try, try to be just the greatest people that they know how to be from what their heart tells them. Cause I think a lot of these things that we do or say, like, I think when you're pressing a button to say like, you don't want to see these races or when you're, when you're telling somebody you don't want to date them because of their race, when you're actively like in the process of doing that, I think, you know, that that's wrong. Like, I think that, and I don't want to say wrong, like you're a horrible person, but I think that deep down you're like, I think, I would like to believe that people have this inner dialogue with themselves that says, I should actually give this girl a chance, but I'm not going to for a dumb reason because I, because she doesn't look the way I want to. I'm saying she right now, which makes me mm-hmm. feel like I'm talking to you. <laughs> so I want to know, I guess, did you ever have that when there was a, a, a chocolate girl that came up and tried to talk to you? Because I'm sure it's happened because you're scrumptiously umptious. Please when there's him. been a girl come up to you, like before you started having this new awakening where you were willing to get down, you know? Mm-hmm. With the chocolate streets. Yeah. When people would come to you, would you be like, would you have a moment where you'd think, I don't think that this is actually Tell the a truth. legitimate reason for me not to date her. Tell yeah. the truth. Or oh, or man, would you not no, even think about it? Uh, I mm. So I know early on my sister had a, a light-skinned friend that I was really into. And then like Whoop. people like Gabrielle Union, like growing up watching Bad Boys, yeah. I, was, I was into it. Uh, but it, so I would say like, I've always liked melanin. I don't know why, like, Hispanic, like Latina women, like, like melanin, uh, for whatever reason, and maybe it's because I watched Aladdin growing up in like this cartoon Jasmine with dark hair and dark skin. I was into it. Uh, I don't know, but so I can say that it's been. I should clarify, it's been more dark like women that I like traditionally wouldn't have found. Like I, I could have found a black woman attractive who looked who had more traditional like white features shamefully like i admit i was i'm glad that you said something about the darker skinned yes. girls because yesterday you said something when we were talking about a light-skinned girl that you thought was pretty and then today you said something about that and i'm like it do you think do you because that like if a black girl hears that like i have a friend at home that if she heard that she would like it, it would infuriate her just to hear you say mm-hmm. that on on the microphone. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that, but like yeah. it it would bother them because there's this this whole stigma. I mean, there's a whole like racism within our own race where people like 
look at people who are lighter skinned as superior. And I think that I, I love Beyonce. I love her. I think she can do no wrong. But I do think that a huge part of the reason she's been successful is because she's so digestible. And someone like you would be like, she is beautiful. Whereas you'd look at Kelly, who I think is equally beautiful. But but a lot of people would say, but she's darker skinned. And uh, when you look at them, if you lightened Kelly, I would be interested to see what mm. a photoshopped version of her lighter skin and a photoshopped version of Beyonce with darker skin mm. would make people think yes. if that was the way the world really was because yeah. the sad truth of it is even though Beyonce is ridiculously talented there are a lot of black girls that are chocolate girls that can sing their mm. faces off mm -hmm. and could give Beyonce a run for their money but they won't ever get a chance to be at her level for the world to, well I don't want to say they won't ever I think that they will I think somebody like Normani is like breaking those mm -hmm. barriers down and right now people aren't even that's not even a conversation that they're having. But back in the 90s when Beyonce came out, if you didn't look like Rihanna That's or right. Ashanti or Sierra or take your pick, any, any black girl that you knew that was successful starting like when we were in middle school to high school, there's never been that I can remember a black girl that's like a that was a famous actress, like a Halle Berry level mm -hmm. actress, a um Jada Pinkett actress. I mean, you'd be very hard pressed to find somebody who wasn't a light skinned girl with like, right. even the girl we were talking about, um, uh, Stacey Dash mm -hmm. or Raven Simone is a light skinned right. girl with like green eyes. Corbin blue, who was on the, on, on um, high, school, high school, musical. school musical is, is biracial, I believe. Mm -hmm, and, um, it, it's just very rare that you would find somebody who is like a successful black person that white people also, because Will Smith would be considered right. very light skinned. Like there's not, and it's also a double standard because it, when it's women, it's 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 there's a lot more pressure. I feel like I do think that people find Tay Diggs like to be sexy and Usher and you know like um, those people. But I think around the time we were in high school when Chris when Chris Brown started becoming popular and Jordan mm -hmm. Sparks was like huge and I mean it's I don't I can't think of any girls that were Kelly Rowland's shade of black that were successful. And I think it has a huge part to do with people don't necessarily find her beautiful in the same way they find Rihanna, Sierra, Shanti, Beyonce, mm. Tyra Banks. I mean, yeah. almost every single person that you could think of to yeah. name. And it's not something that a lot of people take the time to think about mm -hmm. until someone points it out to you. Yeah. And, um, and I, I don't know how we change that stigma without yeah. having people up there and seeing Normani standing on stage, opening up for Ariana Grande and being like, wow, she's really beautiful. Yeah. And people sing it multiple times, not just one time, not just a Lupita or just, uh, you know, Normani, but mm -hmm. a lot of people. And then, because I think, I know that we keep feeling like we're off topic, but the more we talk about no, this, the more right. I'm like, this is so on topic because mm -hmm. these things strongly sway the, who we are attracted to. Right. And that's why, like, I think the industry and us looking at, you know, I don't think that it was like a huge thing to have like a gigantic ass a few years ago. It was kind of like not a thing. They'd be like, you know, like Britney Spears was never known for having a big butt or Lady Gaga or any of these people. But Kim Kardashian came out and made it super popular with her family for to have big, humongous lips and big asses. And that is the thing to do right now. And if you got it, then you got it. You know, mm -hmm. like then then you can get it, you yeah. know. And um and it it just is very strange to me that before this conversation, I never really realized how much music and pop culture and stuff affect mm -hmm. the dating world like so totally. directly. And I can also, uh, you know, lament the fact that I used to be in that mindset, that I used to think and guard my preferences and, and that they were this. So I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I want people, I want to give the green light for white people to also do that own their own intros introspection. Uh, and I want to demonstrate that people can kind of evolve and change. And so, yeah, man, like five years ago, yeah. like I, I do remember reading a story like about like match.com, like in 2011, where they were talking about racism and, and dating. And I'd be like, I like, it's just preferences, y'all. Like you're thinking too hard. Uh, but now looking back on it, like can really be like, man, I was just totally ignorant. And, um, and I think that that's good. I think also that it's important that we can own uh, where we've been wrong, and and that's another thing for another topic. But in today's society, that you do, there's not a whole lot of redemption given to people, and I think that we need to extend a lot more grace.
I 1000% agree with that. And I just want to say just, just in case anything that I said seemed pointed at all that I love the shit out of you. And I think that it takes a lot of balls mm -hmm. and so much bravery to get on camera and a podcast with two black men in 2019, where mm -hmm. everything that you say can have someone drag you. The fact that you are doing everything that you can to like expose people and to, to have an open conversation where you're not, because right now everybody's so afraid to talk. The That's fact right. that you can stand on a microphone and be unfiltered and say, this is how I feel and I'm totally open to constructive criticism and for someone to say to me what why something I might feel or say could be offensive to someone mm -hmm. and so that you can become a better person is great and I hate this whole cancel culture that we live in that if you say something that's not exactly politically correct and people want to cancel you. Yeah. I don't think that there's any way we can grow and progress and actually get the things that we're saying that we want without having these conversations and letting somebody say something and in a nice mature way being like, I don't think that that's something you should say. And this is the mm -hmm. reason why the other day I was talking to two friends who were like, we love gay people. And to me, like if you're going to go to hell because you're gay, then I'm going to go to hell for stealing. And I, to me, that kind of made me feel like you're comparing my love for another human to something that to me is like an actual crime, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, while I understand that you feel, and I'm not a person that gets easily offended, but I was like, while I understand that you feel like that is a comforting thing to say to a gay person, like, I think that if you think that being gay is so wrong that it's compared to stealing and that my love is compared to like being a, a child molester or, you know, like whatever it is that you're like sin is sin is sin because I mm -hmm. now don't believe that being gay is a sin. That's my own personal belief. I believe that I should love whoever I want and that there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and I just believe that like, I don't think, I don't know. I have, that's a conversation for a different time, <laughs> but what I had to explain to them that I didn't feel like that was a comforting thing to say. Just mm -hmm. like I had friends in high school who used to say to me, you're really cute for a black guy. Mm -hmm. They used to totally feel like that was an okay thing to say. And in 2001, I was like, thank you. That's very sweet of you to say, <laughs> but it made me feel some type of way. Yeah. And I wasn't brave enough to say to them, yeah. actually, that's kind of fucked up that you said mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I don't want you to say that to me again. Yeah. And now I look back at that situation and realize like how horrible that was to say, but I'm glad that they felt comfortable enough to say it to me mm -hmm. at least because then I, that now they have learned that it's not appropriate and now they're not doing it anymore. Yeah. So. And that's yeah. the thing. I mean, you hang in there long enough relationally with people, you know, and you can have that dynamic, you know, if we do the canceling thing and you're just not there long enough to restore, but also to experience the repentance, you know, mm -hmm. that people have to have in order to really get that restoration for themselves, but also yeah. the restoration and the modeling of what peaceful engagement looks like, you know, like what does it mean for us to have this conversation mm -hmm. is that we determined that we were going to be, friends having the conversation and season one you know i mean i would come to marks and i was like i don't want to talk about white privilege mm -hmm. like i don't want to be the guy <laughs> that is telling white people about white privilege yeah. i don't want to be the guy who's experiencing it and then i'm also teaching about it like mm -hmm. all the time every mm -hmm. week we did every week we were talking about it mm -hmm. about something that was hard and there were times he would say stuff and i would just if you'd see us i'd just lay my head down low and i'd just be like okay all right holy spirit like just help us get you know to this next thing but every week coming back to the table of our own like commitment to friendship um, is I think the model of how we move things forward mm. in the nation right now and, the, and, and really develop a more civil society and a civil world where people don't have to conform, mm. right? But there is a way for us to, in, to engage and then build our lives and build our communities and build our relationships on the 65% that we agree on as opposed to the 35% that we don't. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I love this and I think that there needs to be more shows like this. I can't believe in 2019, I bet you'd be hard pressed to find two people who come from completely different walks of life who don't necessarily share the same life experiences and who don't maybe don't see eye to eye doing a podcast sitting down talking about this i think this is what the world needs like i'm so obsessed with this idea the more that i've sat down and talked to you all because i think there's a lot of black people that have podcasts where they sit around and talk about things that they both see eye to eye on and a lot of white people mm -hmm. sit down and talk about things that they both see eye to eye on mm -hmm. and to me that is doing nothing to help change the world help better it help to see something from someone else's point of view and i commend you for doing it because I know that it's difficult to talk about, but I also strongly commend you for doing it because I know I, if I were you, I would probably mm -hmm. be so, so afraid of anything that would come out of my mouth 
because you cannot say anything, you know. Right, right. I know that there are people right now that are trying to take down the the Disney movies because they feel like mm-hmm. somebody's kissing Sleeping Beauty or kissing Snow White while they're asleep is teaching mm-hmm. men that they are able to take advantage of women. And I'm like, these are fairy tales. And at some point, people, my, I don't know. I just think that yeah. there's a little a world where we're getting a little too sensitive. I don't so, think that it's appropriate for me to kill my brother because Scar did it to Mufasa. I'm aware that that is a movie and they are lions. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to go do that. Alert. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. Sorry. If you haven't seen it. Out. If you haven't yeah. seen it and the new movie's coming out, I'm yeah. so sorry. But Mufasa's not going to make it to the end of the movie. Okay? <laughs> he makes a really cute cameo from the sky mm. with good lighting and the clouds yes. in the yes. second can act but he yes. he's out of there he does a really really big <laughs> tumble yeah. do we have any call to actions any calls to action calls to action i mean nothing planned if you feel like you have I something mean, on your heart let it rip love everybody just love yourself yeah. love yourself yeah. and love everybody i think know. sorry no that's it yeah i think uh if you can you know kind of take the time and kind of reflect on maybe what your preferences are if you've seen a pattern develop like everybody knows they have a type maybe it's uh Maybe there's something there. Maybe try to think about, like, unpack why it is that you have that type and then figure out if that's ingrained in you or if it's maybe societal programming. Because I think you'll find that a lot of people have a lot of the same types. Yeah. It it makes me think, because, Tajik, of something that you said, I think maybe people should just do a deep dive on what their content is. Mm -hmm. You know, like, who are you listening to? Why are you listening to them? Um, I know a lot of folks, you know, like, we know that hip-hop, like, 75% of, like, hip-hop music is consumed by, like, you know, white children in the Midwest or something. It's like this weird, you know, like dynamic, you know, and I think that black and brown culture can be this like um, shiny object, you know, Um, but then when it comes to really how you live your life and what you really find appealing, what you really find like beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. we really don't make that, you know, leap, you know, and so it's probably worth it, you know, for, for everyone, including myself to look and like, you know, what's on my Hulu vibe Mm -hmm. right now, you know, Mm -hmm. like what's in my Netflix channel, like what are all my, you know, and then really saying like, what is really moving me? What am I attracted to? And ask the question why. And I think mm-hmm. we talk a lot about being curious here. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think that's really like a beautiful thing and a great homework assignment for people who are listening to this and watching this to do. Because I think a lot of times we're not happy because we're chasing something that's not realistic and we're looking for something that's not actually what we want. It's just been what we've been told that we should want. Mm-hmm. And I think if you break it down and really start dating people for who they actually are, which is the part that should be more important, not what mm-hmm. they look like. And that's a very easy thing to say, but people mm-hmm. don't then actually do that I think a lot of people would find that they would be a lot happier and they'd be with people who actually care about them and you know it it you have to be attracted to them but I just challenge everybody to just look a little bit deeper mm-hmm. try hard to think for yourself and not do what people have taught you yeah. to think totally sometimes we're not happy because we're chasing something that's yeah. not realistic yep. mm-hmm. amen call. and uh and be on the lookout in 10 years we'll probably see a lot more interracial marriages because of Black Panther you know, like a lot of 13 year olds watching Black Panther That's right true. now, they're going to be married up in, in 20 Amen, in 10 God. years. Turn it up. It's so. legal now, in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Anyhow. All right. Well, that's all we have. Thanks again, Tadek, so much for, for Thank being you. here. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Peace. Bye.